Um, my name is Alison, my pronouns are she and her, and I am the Mad Black Pixie, uh, which is my online mental health activist persona. And I'm originally from Birmingham, but I live in Bristol. Hey, hello, my name's David Gibbs. I'm from Birmingham. I do a number of things, um, so it's always hard to describe it, but I'm here. One of the things I do is I, I work as a hospital lay manager dealing with sectioned pa patients uh, for Birmingham and Solihull Mental Health Trust. Um, I'm also a magistrate, so the legal aspects of it are interesting to me. So today has been um, quite unusual at Big Spud so far because we've been talking a lot about racism mm -hmm. and discrimination and we've had Colin King and Helen Morgan giving keynote talks and you are two of the black faces in the audience, two of the very few black faces <laughs> in the audience here at this organisation and so I really want to get your views first of all on what you've heard this morning and how you think it's gone down with everybody else at the conference uh, and what we need to do to make some progress. In this. So yeah, first of all, do you want to start, David, by just giving us your reflections on yeah, the talks? Um, I'm, I'm, it's ambivalence, actually. I think that's probably a good word um, for me because I, I've been in this place before, not necessarily Big Spud, but in other organisations where it's the same conversation. They, they bring on the black person to talk about racism and suddenly everybody, it's, it's almost as if They've never heard these things before, which is really surprising, given the history of this country that we're in, the United Kingdom, with colonialism, with racism, you know, uh, racial law and all the rest of it. So, it, and, and these are highly qualified people, primarily white people, primarily in this setting female as well. But it's surprising me that people with those credentials do not know this information and have not done their homework. So, so that's, that's sort of the sad side of it. But I suppose if I'm, if I'm going to be positive, it's at least the conversation started here, albeit late. How about you, Alison? Um, I have to agree with David. You know, at the end of the day, we're in 2022. The original Race Relations Act piece of legislation was from 1965. It's the first piece of anti-discriminatory legislation that was ever introduced, and yet, in 2022 there are still people that I literally heard saying so what should we do or what mm. can we do and for me what I particularly um, because professionally I'm coming from a youth and community work background I've worked with black young people specifically uh, predominantly black young men um, but also I um, now work as a DNI trainer and consultant and the reality is if you are a public sector organization if you receive public sector money you have a legal duty under the equality act that is around race around sexuality but also around disability and it really amazes me we're talking about mental health and mental illness and even at that level that's not that message hasn't even got through when Colin mentioned uh, Senny's Law, which is a huge piece of legislation, and the circumstances surrounding that coming through, the fight that his family went through, and these are the clinicians, these are the academics who should know about it. You know, I think it was myself and one other person mm. that stood up, you know? And I don't work in... I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an academic. Um, and so this, this reluctance, this idea... Uh, we had a conversation about this. Um, you know, I, I'm tired of 
you know, oh, okay, people are trying. No, this is a choice. And you either choose to step up and do what's necessary, even though it's hard, or you move out mm. of the way. You don't have to argue or anything. Nobody cares. Just move out the way and let us get on with it. And that, I think, is the biggest thing is we don't need white saviours. We don't need black saviours. <laughs> what we need is people actually either doing things or just moving aside. That's it. So there's a couple of things here. There's One of them is the kind of personal recognition of these issues and doing something about it personally in our own lives. And I'd like to talk about that. And then the other thing is what Big Spud does as an organisation and your views on taking this morning forward somehow as an organisation and making positive change. But first of all, I want you to tell me what you think about the personal journey that Big Spud members need to go on. I hear your anger and your frustration <laughs> that they don't know a lot of this stuff. No, no. But my sense in the room when Helen and Colin were speaking is that there was a lot of um, recognition of that hmm. and a lot of, okay, I'm going to do something personally about it. And I think a lot of people are kind of overwhelmed by the enormity of the task, you know. So what... I'll throw a, a, a few things in. Well, one is, why are they overwhelmed at the task? So I don't even start there because, as I said, for people who are working, unless they come from an area where there is no diversity at all, people should not be overwhelmed by this information because they should be dealing with it already. All right. So I know, you know, we, we, I come from Birmingham, major city. London is the same. Bristol, Liverpool, Manchester. We've got those areas covered. Right. I know there are certain areas which I won't mention that are not as diverse. Right. But even so, you have you you watch Netflix. You, you watch Panorama, you watch all of these programs, you heard and you saw George Floyd, mm. right? As a recent example, what was your reaction to the George Floyd incident? Now, did you just switch off, you know, and just disengage from it? You know, I made the, uh, the observation in the AGM, yesterday, we're here, yesterday was um, the fifth anniversary of the Grenville tragedy, and yet nobody mentioned that, mm -hmm. all right? So we've got Grenville, we've got George Floyd, we've got various racial equity laws that have been changed. I'm sorry, if you're ignorant, I think that's willful, mm -hmm. right? So educate yourself in any other area of life, you would educate yourself to find out where the gaps are. And then, as Gary was talking about in the session earlier, then you start to say, actually, who's not here? Who am I not listening to? Where, am, where is my ignorance? You start to ask those questions, right? So if you're not asking that, therefore, that is a choice you've made that is willful. So you need to go on that personal journey yourself to educate yourself and start talking to people and not be embarrassed or ashamed about getting it wrong, ex exhibiting your, your, in quote, ignorance, how else are you going to learn? Right? Helen said it, didn't she? The kind of hard work that yeah. we all have to do, the emotional and intellectual yeah. labor that we all have to do. So why is that so hard for white people to start that journey? Because we love comfort and we love our privilege and we love power. right? And, it, and none of those are given up freely. Right? So people have to do that work. And then, then you have to do that personal work and then start to challenge the spaces and places in which you work. Right? So then, then that's the broader work. But a lot of times what happens is, uh, and this is a Western approach to things, we individualize it rather than looking at the bigger picture, the corporate picture, the international picture as well. So because whatever's happening in America impacts us here. Again, another example, what is people's views on shipping people to Rwanda? 
right? Again, that hasn't been mentioned, right? So we, we, we avoid it and we buy into Boris Johnson's and his cabinet's uh, rhetoric around this will stop X, Y, and Z. Actually, no, it's not, right? Always thinking about the mental health of those people who are now going to be shipped somewhere else. So again, so it's individual work, it's, then it's inter, interpersonal work, the corporate work, business work, economic work. It keeps rippling out because once you start this, if you're serious about it, you know, and again, Gary said this, and I, I appreciate his honesty in what he was saying, is when you start this work, you realize you really are scratching the surface, but you can't not do it and you can't stop doing it. This is Gary Lamp, who's just presented yes. his scaping review on yeah. ethnicity and personality disorder. Yeah, really interesting work. So what do you think, Alison? Um, before we move on to the Big Spud stuff, what would you like to see the people here at the conference doing now that they've kind of recognised this as an issue? Okay, so for me, um, one of the things that was very distinct about the two talks this morning is when Colin spoke, he did, uh, he highlighted not only white, Eurocentric uh, academics, but also black academics. Where was that in the second talk? Because actually this work is out there. Black people are doing this work. Kimberly Crenshaw, uh, Bell Hooks, Audrey Lord, Rennie Edu Lodge. These are names that I have known and researched because I had to, because those books weren't on the shelves at school. And these academics and clinicians have access to far more research. Like, I am not an academic at all. Anytime I want to look at a research paper, I have to ask one of my friends, who is an academic, if they can do me a research, a paper search. These people can do that very easily. And they choose not to. They choose not to, because it suits them not to. Because when we think about colour blindness, uh, people think about, oh, you know, I don't see you as... Uh, black, I see you as a, as a woman or whatever it is, but in reality it's a blinkered, it's coloured blinkeredness it's, if I don't have to look outside this then it doesn't affect me and I'm quite happy like this so that's one element of it it's very interesting, uh, Gary being from UCLan, because I actually went to the University College of St Martins in Lancaster 25 years ago <laughs> where I was literally the only black mm. student in my halls the only black student on my course, across all three years, across the postgraduate, in fact, across the joint honours programme as well. So I was it. I was representing. And there was one black lecturer. She was wonderful. However, that was it. She was the only black lecturer. And because it's a youth and community work course, it was kind of like, well, yeah, she's going to be on the <laughs> youth work course. And then she actually fell ill in my second year. Mm. I actually completed my degree. I had to leave that place because of racism. And I actually ended up completing my degree at Reading. All three lecturers were black people, mm. just by just by chance. It wasn't that I specifically picked that course. In fact, my employer put me on that course because they were paying for it. So it was just happenstance. So how did Reading manage to get three black lecturers, yet University of St. Martin's Lancaster could only get mm. the one person who was actually not very well? So there is something very much about the power that academics have, the power that people in these positions have, and they need to really look at um, how it is that they are applying this, how it is that they wield it. Um, there was something that was said, I think it was yesterday, 
um, about the uh, overload and the mental trauma for staff or something mm. like that. And my understanding is clinicians have uh, supervision. Yeah. My understanding from youth work is supervision should be the space for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. And that is the space, I think, these conversations around uh, diversity and inclusion need to happen. They need to happen up close and personal. They need to happen all the time. It should be centred, you know, the one thing, in fact, this is the thing that hasn't been said is our favourite word, intersectionality. Um, because if you are truly committed to working from an intersectional perspective, that means looking at the most marginalised, centering those needs, and that ripple out will mean that people with less pressing needs will get picked up because the most pressing needs are the focus. And it's incumbent on those of us who do have privilege, and I I have privilege, Mm. yes, I'm black and I'm female and mentally ill, but I do have privileges, and it's my job to open doors shut down noise and 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 allow people to actually have their voices heard and that's what these people have the power to do okay so it's fantasy time 2032 (laughs) we're at the big spud conference we have this perfectly intersectional diversity across the executive across the membership across the conference how do we get there being honest, first of all, and I, th- I think we're seeing bits of that, but more important than that is action, right? And we keep talking about that because, again, I said right at the beginning, I've been in this space before with various places and whatever. They'll talk the talk, but then we see no action to back it up. And then there'll be a call for more research, more resources, more this, more that. And then they'll, they'll recruit a few black people, a few people from other groups, They'll wear them out, tie them out, they'll leave disgruntled, right? Or they'll get somebody like, sorry, Tony Sewell, who is, who is sorry, no, I won't use that word, but who's um, a, a lackey for the establishment, right? And they're saying, look how diverse we are. You know, we agree with him. So it really is about action. And, you know, again, it's, it, going back to what the presentation was earlier, it's doing maybe some of those small things, but actually they have a big impact, right? Rather than looking to solve the whole problem, you know, the big fuss about critical race theory, but one of one of the theory, one of the tenets of that is we're never going to end it, but that doesn't mean we don't try, right? And I think that's what it is because the people see the big scope and how all pervasive it is. When they do see it, they get tired and frustrated and, and give up, right? And we've got to realise that you've got to start to put actions in place. So what that looks like is who's on your board, right? Who are the gatekeepers for whatever? How, what, is your, what does your interview process look like? What does your recruitment process look like? When people actually do come in and say something, how do you support them, right? So it's all those practical things that we know, you know, because an example from this, this setting here, we, we've come and we're a handful of black people here. It just so happens that most of us know each other, right? <laughs> no. right? And that's because we do this work all the time. But interestingly, and I'm generalizing, but a lot of the white people have come with their cohort from their workplace and stayed in that group. How you expect to learn anything if you're staying with the same people you work with all the time? So you, and you know this, my, I, I intentionally invade those groups. <laughs> 
right? To change the conversation. And I challenge them, why you, you work with them? Why are you still sitting with them? They'll come into the room and they'll be looking for that person who, who they know already. You go and sit with somebody you don't know and have a conversation. And if they're black, brown, or something else, all the more so, you're gonna learn a lot that way, right? Mm -hmm. So it really is, and they said this all yesterday, my key word from yesterday was about relationship, the, the keys of relationship. How are you developing the relationship with somebody you don't know, doesn't look like you, has a different perspective, and then actually admitting, you know what, I wanna stay in touch with you after the conference. Because one thing that'll happen to me, and I'm sure it happens to you as well, everybody wants to be in touch with me. It was like after George Floyd, everybody wanted to be in touch Thank with you. me, right? Next week, they get back into the grind of their work, and all of that goodwill that we built up in, over the last two days evaporates until the next crisis comes. So, it's one of the things that went through my head as you were speaking is, uh, is impact outweighs intention. So everybody in this room has, well, not just this room, but in this conference, they've got all the, the best of intentions. Um, they really do intend, but they don't realize that they're not in action and not doing anything is just as impactful as if they do something and get it wrong. And the fact is, we don't expect you to get it right. We just hope that if you're not gonna, as I say, if you're not gonna do something, that you'll move out the way and leave us alone. That's it, we just want to be left alone to live. And I think that's the big thing for a lot of people here, that they're worried about getting it wrong. They're so scared of getting it wrong. And it's like, but your researchers, isn't that kind of what you do is to try and prove things. And if you get it wrong, you do it a different way and you, and you evaluate. So come at it from a scientific perspective. I think, um, you know, one of the things about the way that I train, and this is not me trying to, uh, you know, promote myself for work, but uh, I'm coming from a South African background. My mother's from Cape Town, and the whole philosophy around Ubuntu, around recognizing, acknowledging, honoring our humanity as people, the connections and the things that make us the same are, are far greater than the things that divide yeah, us yeah. and the things that actually divide us have been created to stop connection and I think people get lost in the source of oh well I'm this and I should be doing this mm. and I'm this and I should and it's like actually are you connecting with this person do you feel where they're coming from and if you can't that's okay but listen to them you know you don't have to do anything just be there be present um, and I think sometimes that's that's one of the things, like you say, they'll come and bombard you with, yeah, we must keep in touch. Let's do this, let's do this. And it's like, but how many black people do you know in your life? Yes. Do you know? Um, how many gay friends do you have? How many disabled friends do you have? And so, so how do you honestly expect to start working without even starting at that level? Um, and I know you, you, you talked about educating, but actually a lot of it isn't even education it's like you know for example um things that i expected to hear around say child q mm. that's something huge yeah that yeah. all these people in the room must know about yes not a word yeah yeah, yeah. no even yeah. A, a i think what we're saying we're noticing the things that aren't being said yeah. rather than things that are being said because we've heard them all before mm -hmm. you know if they got up and they said man this this is a shock the horror child q oh yeah what are we going to do about this as professional people what are we going to do about it but my priority is coming here right well one 
well, it's a priority in a way, self-care. I got to look after myself because I come into these spaces and typically white people extract every ounce of power, energy and everything else I have and then misuse it. Right, mm-hmm. so I come here with self care, which goes to the second point is when we come into these spaces, it really is about survival for us as well, which they do not understand because privilege allows you to detach. We can't detach, we're on our guard all the time, and we've mm-hmm. got to protect ourselves when we come into these spaces. And, and again, the sort of infiltration that you just heard me say to I can't remember his name, I'm the chair, we've got to have a conversation. That's what I do. I don't mess around, my time is precious, right? So I've got something to say to you, I'm going to say, it. you do with it what you want. But I've also learned now, once I've given my information, to let it go. Because it's tiring, right? Self-care, survival, have my conversation. eh? It's up to you now. Bye. I'll help you if you're serious. But if you're not, step out of the way, as you said. Mm